0: Have ever received instruction from someone else whether it be uh, a boss that you're working for or, or a supervisor or or whether it's merely in school and a teacher instructs you or whether it's uh, any form of organized athletics or, or any organized activity really we all understand we know the importance of understanding exactly what that person is trying to instruct us to do, exactly what they're trying to communicate to us. And by the way, I think that's, that's everyone in here has, has been in that situation at some point. Uh, if you haven't, you will. You're just too young. We, we know the importance of understanding that instruction. We know the importance of, of understanding the message, and the person giving the message understands that importance as well. But I think sometimes we don't have that same mindset when it comes to, to Scripture. Not that we don't want to understand what Scripture says, but let's be honest, Scripture can be difficult to understand sometimes. And more precisely, Uh, scriptures that would tell us about Jesus, that describe him to us, that explain what he does, what he did for us. Those can be extremely difficult to understand. And and we ask the question, who is this Jesus that we read about in scripture? And we we know the, the textbook answer. Well, he's Jesus. He's the Son of God. He came to die for our sins. But I don't think we really understand exactly what that means but luckily for us, we're not the first people to ask that question. We're not the first people to ask, what exactly does that mean? Who is this Jesus? In the Gospel of Mark, Mark addresses that question in the way that he writes and the way that he puts events together, and he takes his readers on a journey to answer that question, a question, who is Jesus? And he brings the question up uh, in a few different places at the beginning of the book uh, where, where people of the time would ask things like, who is this man that teaches with authority, that even the unclean spirits obey him? And questions like, who is this man that the wind and the waves obey him? And we're not the first people to ask that question. They were asking it back in the first century. And Mark sets out to answer that question And he takes his readers on a journey, starting in chapter 4 of Mark. If you would, go ahead and open your Bibles there if you're not there already. And Mark, in chapter 4, he sets the scene for the whole rest of the book. He gives us this parable of the soils, and they are what we would call foreshadowing for the whole rest of the book. And in this parable, we have examples of uh, of two different kinds of people people that hear the word of god and they they take the time to understand its importance they take the time to understand what is being said in the word of god and when they do understand that they they realize how important it is and how much it should be treasured and so they they tend to that word they they allow it to grow and to prosper and to be fruitful, as we just read. But there's another, another kind of, of person talked about in Mark 4. Those that don't take the time to understand the importance of what God's Word is saying. They don't take the time to, to sit down and to dwell on it and to ask, what, what does God's Word say about my life and, and how I live? And so, of course, those are the people that, you know, the, they hear the Word just like everyone else, but when it begins to grow up, trials and tribulation come and the Word withers away, or before it even sprouts, someone else comes and, and takes it from them because they don't, they haven't made it a priority. And then there's some that, like we just read, that the, the Word takes root and it grows and they enjoy it, but it's not the number one priority in their life. And so other priorities come in and choke it out. And Mark gives us this parable here at the beginning of chapter 4. And like I said, he sets the stage because he's going to talk from here on out about people hearing Jesus, hearing his teachings, hearing about his miracles and the signs that he performed. And he's going to talk about people seeing Jesus, seeing those signs firsthand and the effect that that has on people, and he gives us this parable because there's two types of people that hear and see Jesus. There's the people that would understand, take the time to understand that, okay, this, this sign I just saw, this teaching that I just heard, it's pointing to something, and they follow it, and they look for that. Those are the good soil, and then there's people that, that don't. They don't think it's important, and they will be the bad soil, So he gives us this parable, and then he illustrates the parable throughout the book with different examples, real-life examples of people who are either good soil or bad soil. The first example we will look at is in in Mark chapter 5, starting in verse 25. A woman who had had a hemorrhage for 12 years and had endured much at the hands of physicians and had spent all that she had and was not helped at all but rather had grown worse. Now listen, listen to this. After hearing about Jesus, she came up in the crowds behind him and touched his cloak. For she thought, if I touch his garments, I will get well. She heard about Jesus. She heard about his miracles, his signs, his teaching with authority. And although she, she probably didn't understand exactly what that pointed to, she didn't understand completely who Jesus was. She understood that he was important. She understood that he was from God, I think. And she understood that he was the only one that could help her. He was the only one that could save her at least immediately. So after hearing about him, she came up and touched him. Why did she touch him? For she thought, in verse 28, if I just touch his garments, I will get well. She believed that he could help her. She believed that he was, he was the one that could save her. She heard the message, she heard about him, and that when she when she heard and she understood the importance of that, she took the time to understand and to, to let that message dwell within her and to really think about it, not just hear it and forget about it. And she really thought about it and that produced faith within her, faith in Jesus. And Jesus would even say in verse 34, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed. But it wasn't just a, a lackadaisical faith. She didn't just sit at home and say, Well, I believe that Jesus can, can save me. There we go. I'm, I'm healed. No, she put her faith into action. Because it was real faith. It was it was the kind of faith that demands action. She heard about Jesus. She understood the message. She cherished that message. She let it grow within her. She's good soil. And we have an example, another example of bad soil and in chapter 6. Right around verse 20, we have the account of John the Baptist being killed. And in this account, we, we hear that Herod, you know, he's, he's married to his brother's wife, Herodias. And John has been, been teaching that that's not right. It's not right for you to have your brother's wife. And so Herodias, because she's married to the king right now and she wants to stay married to the king, she doesn't want to be married to the king's brother. No one wants to be married to the king's brother. They want to be married to the king. She sees John's teachings as uh, endangering her position as the wife of the king. So she wants him dead. She, she doesn't like him. And so Herod has him arrested. But look at verse 20 carefully. But Herod did not put him to death. And in verse 20 it says, For Herod was afraid of John, knowing that he was a righteous and holy man, and he kept him safe. Herod understood at least partially what was going on. He, he understood just a little bit. He didn't understand the, the message about Jesus, but he understood John, the, the one that was pointing to Jesus. He understood a, a little bit that he was a man of God, but he didn't take the time to continue down that train of thought. He didn't take the time to think, okay, well, what does that mean if this is a man of God, What does that demand of me? He didn't take the time to do that. And at the end of verse 20, it says, when he heard him, he was very perplexed, but he used to enjoy listening to him. He was confused. He didn't understand what was going on, but he enjoyed listening to him. He he enjoyed listening to the message, but he didn't enjoy it enough to, to keep John alive in the end. We read later on that that he had John killed. Why did he have John killed? Because there were men present, his, uh, the leading officials of Galilee, his, uh, his uh, generals and commanders in the military, uh, his governors in the region that were um, working underneath him. All these important men were present, and he had made an oath to this little girl that I'll give you whatever you want. And she wanted John dead. And so if he refuses her, these, these prominent men, these important men, well, they might, they might look at him now as being a weak ruler. They may try to overthrow him. They may just simply write back to Rome and say, hey, you've got a weak king over here. We need to get a new one. See, Herod, his, his kingship was in danger and it doesn't matter how much he enjoyed listening to the message. When the worries of the world sprang up, they choked the message out. And the message that he heard, of course, it was, it was from John the Baptist, but we read in, in the first chapter of Mark as well as uh, the third chapter of Matthew that John was pointing towards Christ. We don't know that he was teaching everything about Christ. I don't know what all he was allowed to reveal just yet in the ministry of Jesus, but we know he was pointing to Christ. He was leading the way. He was preparing the way. So Herod at least heard about Jesus. He heard a little bit, and he enjoyed listening to it because it, it's, a, it's a fascinating story when you get down to it. But if it's just a fascinating story... That's where the problem lies. It was not enough for him to make the correct decisions later on. And so, it's at this point in the Gospel of Mark that it's Mark's goal to get his readers to ask this question. Who is this Jesus that we're talking about? Who exactly is he that, that this woman heard about? and that she believed in and, and acted on that faith. And, and who is it that, that Herod enjoyed listening to, but in the end it wasn't enough? And, and there's numerous other examples of good and bad soil throughout this, these few chapters here. And so the reader is asking, who is this Jesus? And I hope we are asking that same question as well. I hope we're asking, okay, who is this Jesus? And in addition to that, what kind of soil are we? Are we the good soil? Are we the bad soil? Are we, do we merely enjoy listening to the message? Are we going to take the time to, to dwell on that message? And so I hope that we can all say that we are good soil. And if we can't, something needs to change, obviously. We need to, to understand that we need to be good soil. We need to take the time to understand that message. And, and right now I want to try and take a little bit of time To understand who Jesus is, because we should all be asking right now, who is Jesus? And Mark he would he would go on to give many more examples and and illustrations, but finally in chapter eight, he tells us who Jesus is. Flip over to chapter eight, right around verse twenty seven. Verse 27 reads, Jesus went out along with his disciples to the villages of Caesarea Philippi, and on the way he questioned his disciples, saying to them, who do people say that I am? They told him, saying, John the Baptist, and others say Elijah, but others one of the prophets. They don't know exactly who he is. They, they see his signs, and they get a, a, a fuzzy picture of, well, he's, he's got to be from God, but we don't know exactly who he is, and In verse 29, he continued by questioning them, but who do you say that I am? And Peter answered him, and and we know from other gospel accounts that this answer that Peter gave did not come from Peter's own knowledge. Peter wasn't the guy to finally connect the dots, but, but God revealed this to Peter. Peter answered and said to him, you are the Christ. In other Gospels, he would say, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. But here he just says, you are the Christ. And that's, that's the answer to the question we've been asking, who is Jesus? And we say, well, yeah, we, we know he's the Christ. We say, Jesus the Christ all the time. Uh, it, it's not a secret that he is the Christ, but... To really understand who he is, not just know who he is, but to understand, we have to ask another question. What does that mean that he is the Christ? What does that mean to us, to our lives? And you've got to love the inspiration of Scripture that God knew that people would ask that question, and so God answered that question in Scripture. If you look about five verses later in verse 34, This is right after Peter has has tried to rebuke Jesus. He said, you don't know what you're talking about, Jesus. You're not going to die. Peter didn't understand fully. And Jesus, in verse 34, And he summoned the crowd with his disciples and said to them, If anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever wishes to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospel's, we'll save it. Well, that's the answer to our question of what does that mean? If if Jesus is the Christ, if he is the Messiah, our savior, the anointed one of God, what does that mean? Well, it's it's very simple. If he is the savior, if he is our savior, that's who we need to go to to be saved. That's who we need to follow. To be saved is the one that saves us. And Jesus says, if you wish to come after me, and he gives us three things to do. Deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow him. Now, deny yourself, that's the idea that the things that we want in this life, the things that we desire, those are are secondary to the will of God. There are things in this world that aren't, aren't bad, but if they get in the way of God, they are. Deny ourselves the things that we want and instead seek the things that God wants us to seek. Deny yourself. Take up your cross. I always chuckle when I think of this. We have a habit today of saying, you know, that's just my cross to bear when we're talking about a knee injury that has plagued us for several years or, uh, or arthritis. And I, I don't mean to diminish arthritis. I don't have arthritis. I hope I never do, but I probably will. And I, I'm sure it's a very painful thing. And, but we say that's my cross to bear, but we don't really understand what, what the cross is. To, to the Roman audience that is reading Mark, there's one word in their mind. They hear cross. That's death. If you had to do it in two words, it would be painful death. This is, this is not uh, just something that is a nuisance, something that uh, gets in our way that we don't like. This is death, complete and utter death. People did not get put on a cross and come off. They did not get taken down and, uh, you know, maybe a, a few weeks later they're back on their feet. That didn't happen. When you got put on a cross, You died. And that's what he's saying. Take up your cross. This takes deny yourself one step further that, you know, yeah, I, I'm not going to go after the things that I want, but I'm going to go so far as to say that this life is not mine. This life does not belong to me. This life belongs to Christ. Give up your life. Because who gave us this life? Not ourselves. God did. So, so give your life to God, he's saying. Deny yourself, take up your cross, and lastly, follow him. We just sang the song, talked about following in, in the footsteps of Jesus. That's what he's, he's asking here. Deny yourself. Say, no, I'm, I'm not living that life anymore that I want to. I'm not going to live that life of pleasure. I'm going to pick up my cross give my life to God and I'm going in a new direction. I'm following Christ. That is the answer to the question of, of who is Christ and, and what does that mean for us? It means we need to, to follow Him. It means we need to give our life up in obedience. Think back to the, the hemorrhaging woman we talked about earlier. She She heard about God. She uh, focused on that message that she heard, and she understood it. She worked to understand it. When she understood it, that brought about faith in her. She believed in the message, and that faith demanded action. What action does our faith demand? You know, we we talk a lot about the, the steps to salvation. You hear the Word of God, you believe it. But when you believe it, what does that faith demand? It demands that we obey Christ. It demands that we obey Him in all things, that we, that we live a life for Him. Now, most of you out here are Christians, and you're probably saying, all right, I'm, I'm good. I've, I've obeyed the gospel. I've obeyed the message of Christ. Well, now the next step is to keep obeying to continually obey Christ, obey the commands of God. And, and if you're not a Christian, if you haven't obeyed the gospel, well, you've obviously heard the word, at least today, and hopefully at other times. You've got to ask yourself, what kind of soil are you? Are you the kind of soil that is going to sit down and understand that word and study it? and realize exactly what it means? And is that word going to produce faith in you? Are you going to believe in the message? Does that message, does that faith demand that you obey God? Demand that you obey Him when He told us to confess that He is the Son of God in Matthew 10, 32? Do you obey Him when He told you to repent in Luke 24, 47? Do you obey Him when He told you to be baptized for the remission of your sins in Mark 16, 16? If you haven't, now's a great time to make that decision, to make that decision to follow Christ. And if, if you have and maybe you're not living that life anymore, maybe you're just enjoying the message now, but you're not applying it to your life, well, come back home now. We're here ready to to help you in any way that we can. Whatever your need is, please come forward now while we stand and sing.